Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. I'm Piers Morgan, uncensored. Tonight is the monarchy facing its biggest crisis. I go toe-to-toe live with the Taliban. And boxing legend Lennox Lewis will also be here live. But first, it's ladies' night for my brain dump. America's calamitous overnight exit from Afghanistan was a disgraceful disaster that bruised President Biden's reputation forever on the world stage. It was a spineless surrender that made the US look weak, cowardly and chaotic. It's no exaggeration to say that it may have emboldened Vladimir Putin to invade Ukraine, sensing that the world's number one superpower may have lost its stomach for a fight. And most shamefully for a president who regularly boasts about being a women's rights champion, there's been no greater victim in this travesty than the millions of women of Afghanistan. In one fell capitulating swoop, they were catapulted back to the medieval dark ages of Taliban rule. These militant misogynists have kicked girls out of schools and banned women from most jobs. They've forbidden them from playing sports. They've banned women from going to public parks on the same day as men or making long journeys without a male chaperone. It's been an ever-escalating programme of gender apartheid. And many of the truly courageous and inspiring women who dare protest have been either locked up or just disappeared. Now the Taliban has decided that all women must wear a full head-to-toe burqa and their male relatives and employers have been made the enforcers If women show their faces, their male guardian gets fined, jailed or fired from his job. All this from his supposedly new and inclusive Taliban, which some people farcically branded Taliban 2.0. After seizing back power last summer, they vowed to treat women more fairly. They lied. I don't ever want again to hear President Biden boast about his support for women's rights after the way he betrayed Afghanistan's women. But I do want to hold the Taliban to account for their treatment of women. And I'll do that tonight live when I speak directly to their official spokesman. Well, nothing will make the Taliban froth at the mouth more than the fact that for 70 years, Britain's had a female monarch. Queen Elizabeth is their sort of ultimate nightmare, a strong, independent, well-educated woman, more than the equal of any man she ever meets. But these are worrying times for Her Majesty, now 96 and in increasingly poor health. Her most important constitutional duty is to open Parliament each year and give the Queen's speech, which formally sets out what her government plans to do. 
but today she missed it for the first time in 59 years. And the sight of her eldest son, Prince Charles, reading the Queen's speech for her as he faked an occasional emotional glance at her crown placed poignantly nearby was a massively significant moment in British history. To put all in this into perspective... times, Her Majesty's government will play a leading role in defending democracy and freedom across the world, including continuing to support the people of Ukraine. Well, to put all this into perspective, the last time an heir to the throne delivered a state opening a parliament, Queen Victoria was still a toddler. But today was so much more than just a constitutional collector's item. No one wants to talk about this, but the monarchy, and with it Britain, is now hurtling towards a momentous transition. So much about what it is to be British has been defined by the constant, stoic, stately presence of one woman. So much about the Queen has defined what it means to be British. We're going to have to relearn what that means and discover whether the monarchy under Charles and then his own eldest son, William, can even survive, let alone thrive. The Taliban will doubtless be thrilled that our next two monarchs will be men, but we will all miss this magnificent woman more than they could ever understand and more than many of us may currently realise. America's never had a female president, but according to President Biden's sister Valerie, the cavalry may soon be arriving. Unfortunately, it's not the kind of cavalry that any of us want to see coming over the hill. It's our old friend Meghan Markle. We embrace all women and we welcome her to come in and join the Democratic Party. So you think she'll make a good potential candidate one day maybe for president? Yes, perhaps. Of course she will. What? Is that a joke? Perhaps there is somebody out there less suited to become a leader of the free world, but I can't currently think of one. And before you think this is some kind of joke, remember that Meghan Markle's old friends probably thought the same thing when she told them she's going to hook her claws into a British prince and make herself stupendously rich and famous. I wouldn't put anything past this scheming Princess Pinocchio, who probably sees the White House as a perfectly feasible next rung on her relentless climb up the social ladder. Meghan's already been exposed for inappropriately phoning up bemused American politicians to harangue them. And I'm sure she's looked at Donald Trump's success in 2016 and thought to herself, hmm, TV star? Zero political influence, uh, experience? Craves money? Deeply polarising? Massive narcissist? and not currently talking to Piers Morgan. She also needs a new career, let's face it. Her current one, as a professional two-faced exploiter of royal titles, isn't going so well. Her children's book bombed. <coughs> her Spotify podcasts have barely been heard. <coughs> Netflix just cancelled her animated series. <coughs> and the Queen's banned her and hypocrite Harry from the Buckingham Palace balcony at the Platinum Jubilee. <coughs> yeah, Meghan's doing the maths and already planning the world's wokest inauguration speech. Just don't say I didn't warn you. And from a woman who wouldn't inspire me to open a jar of cookies, and I love cookies, to one who's genuinely inspired millions of people in some of their very darkest moments. Deborah... Hi, I'm Deborah James, also known as Bell Babe. Two and a half years ago, at the age of 35, I was diagnosed with stage four bowel cancer. It was at that moment that my entire world changed and they found a six and a half centimetre tumour in my uh, bowel. Deborah James is an extraordinary human being. She's battled stage four bowel cancer for five years. And during that time, she's hosted a podcast called You, Me and the Big C and a column in The Sun in which she communicates about her struggle with astonishing candour, clarity and humility. 
She doesn't pull any punches. It's sharp, it's witty, it's sometimes heartbreaking commentary on the kind of things people don't like to talk about, what cancer does to your body, your children, your mental health. Today, she revealed with typical frankness that her body just can't cope any longer. She's under hospice care at home with her family, waiting for the end of her remarkable life. The response to that heart-rending announcement has been quite staggering. She just asked supporters to buy her a glass of wine to see her out. And in 24 hours, she's raised more than £1.7 million for her Bow Babe Fund. On a day when inspirational women are in sharp focus, there aren't many more deserving of our respect and affection than Deborah James. And on behalf of everybody she's helped and all the lives she's almost certainly saved through her informative educational homilies, I simply want to say this. Thank you, Deborah. Well, coming up, I'll be talking to the Taliban's official spokesman live. We'll also be debating the future of the monarchy. And Lennox Lewis will be here to tell me why people should toughen up. Hallelujah. Oh, and the world's gone nuts. Wordle, predictably, has gone completely woke. All coming up and all uncensored. Don't miss it. It was a hugely symbolic day for the British monarchy as Prince Charles stepped in for the Queen at the state opening of Parliament. It was the first time in 59 years that Her Majesty has missed the event. It gave Charles a taste of his future role as King. My Lords and members of the House of Commons, Her Majesty's government's priority is to grow and strengthen the economy and help ease the cost of living for families. Well, I'm joined now by the noted British historian Sir Anthony Selden. Good morning, uh, evening to you, uh, Sir Anthony. It was a remarkable Had... morning, wasn't it, to watch this moment, which has never happened in my lifetime, to put it into uh, historical context, <laughs> but to see Prince Charles sitting in for his Queen at the, uh, and his mother, of course, at the state opening of Parliament was a big, big moment for this country. Yeah, it was a shock after 59 years, that's about your age, uh, Piers, and a bit, uh, to see somebody else other than the monarch who has been uh, reading out the Queen's speech, uh, her speech, but uh, not written by her, to have somebody else doing it was a significant moment. But I don't think it was yet a historic moment. Is there any chance at all, do you think, that the Queen might abdicate before she dies of... Uh, naturally, and passes the baton to her son, because I've always been told by those who are plugged into the royals that that would never be an option that they would take. Well, she is 96, and that's, that's old by anybody's standards, and most people aged 96 are not uh, doing a pretty full-time job. And there would be two reasons why that might happen, why she might abdicate or why there might be a regency, as there had been between 1811 and 1820 in Britain, uh, where the monarch then went mad, George III, and handed over uh, effectively all power of the monarch to his son, uh, George IV, who became the monarch in 1820. I mean, you know, that could happen, Piers, but it would need either severe physical infirmity or... Uh, her losing her mental faculties. I mean, what is very clear is that she ain't going to give up. She has no intention of doing that. She said uh, very clearly at the start of her reign that she would reign to the very end. And But for her losing her capacity 
or physically something going very wrong, and her mother lived till over a hundred, let's remember, uh, that's just not going to happen. The Queen has also reigned for over 70 years now, making the longest reigning British monarch. Is she the greatest British monarch? Well, the two you'd compare to, I, I, I guess, would be Elizabeth I, uh, who reigned for uh, well over 40 years, and Queen Victoria, who reigned for some 60 between 1837 and 1901. And she, I mean, it was different, wasn't it? Because Elizabeth I, uh, the Armada, uh, England had a different position in the world. The monarchy had... Uh, unrivaled power. The monarchy uh, ran the government then, as doesn't happen now. So it's difficult always over history to make comparisons. But I think she was incomparably a greater figure than Queen Victoria. Let's remember when Queen Victoria's husband, Albert, died mm -hmm. at the beginning of the 1860s. She went into mourning for a long time. Yeah. Look at the way that the Queen has responded uh, with her extraordinary commitment to her duty. I mean, she's very, very sad, deeply. We feel that. We can see that uh, losing Philip. But no sense of uh, retreating into black and uh, into mourning and, frankly, self-pity, as Victoria uh, did, uh, prolonging it for that long. So I think she's certainly uh, a much more effective uh, monarch than Victoria, although, again, that was a different... Age. I think she's up there. You know, she's up there mm. uh, uh, with the greatest monarchs of all time: William the First, Henry the mm. uh, Fifth, um, uh, with Agincourt, Henry the Eighth. Uh, that he wasn't very kind to his wives. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, I mean, yeah, Piers. I mean, we we are still living. We are blessed to be living uh, at the time of one of the greatest monarchs. Impossible well, she's to certainly she's the, the greatest, greatest of my ever. lifetime because she's the only one I've had in my <laughs> lifetime. And that in itself is a remarkable fact. Sir Anthony, great to talk to you. Thank you very much indeed. Thank you. So is Prince Charles ready to be king or is this the beginning potentially of the end of the British monarchy? This is the debate raging everywhere at the moment. Joining me now to discuss it, author and journalist Tony Parsons, political activist Kate, Kate Smirthwaite. Well, welcome to both of you. Thank you. Thank you. Kate, let me start with you. We just had a story and put it into perspective. The Queen, one of the all-time great monarchs, indisputably, if you're ranking monarchs, she'd be right up there to me, number one. But, you know, there's some other compelling candidates. You don't like the concept of the monarchy, right? Yeah, it's not... Well, it's, I, don't, I, I don't dislike that elderly lady. That would be ridiculous. Um, but I, I just think it's 2022, and the time for having a monarchy was a few centuries back. And I think if anything has shown that, it's the recent Caribbean tour, isn't it? I mean, how patronising to have the British royal family wandering around the Caribbean, expecting people to bow and scrape in front of them. And I think brilliant that people all across the Caribbean kicked back and said, hold on a minute, do you not understand the history and what this represents? And I think that the history of what the monarchy represents is is no less of an issue in this country where, you know, the working classes, the proletariat have been continuously oppressed by this structure of the class system and the monarchy at the top of it. And I think it's about time that we all move on. And interestingly, you know, here I am, you're asking my opinion about the monarchy. Here's how the monarchy works. We... That you know, we are we are the we are the riffraff. We are the bottom of the pile. We don't get an opinion. If you want an opinion on who should be monarch, then you, like me, want a republic. Hang on, you're getting an opinion right now, Tony Parsons. But that's I mean, my point. Do you, a, do you identify as riffraff? And B, <laughs> you, nobody knows the working class mentality of this country better than you do. Yeah, You've written cool. about it for decades. 
what do you think about that? Well, I mean, there, the, certainly, the way... there are young people. There's yeah. no unquestionably there are young people. A lot of them fueled by Meghan Markle's claims of racism and so on at the palace and so on, who have turned against the idea of a monarchy. Um, I think the working class have always seemed quite keen on uh, the monarchy to me. When I was um, a young punk in 1977, hanging out with the Sex Pistols, it was um, the working class who wanted to give us a good kick in for mm. disrespecting the Queen. Um, I think that the, um, the Queen, with her 70-year reign, has secured the monarchy for the next 100 years or so. I don't, think there's any, I don't think anybody alive in this country today will live in a republic. She's secured... She's made the case for the monarchy, and she's an exceptional woman. And circumstances were exceptional. She was so young when she, when she came to the throne. Mm. She's lived such a long time. And I think that combination of stamina and substance. And I think she's got better. And I think she's got better with age. Since um, she jumped out of a helicopter before the 2012 London, <laughs> London Olympics... With Daniel Gray. ..through to the, um, the height of the pandemic, the 75-year anniversary yeah, of the She was amazing day. in the pandemic. Well, she, and I, the and I, would say, be... I would say, Kate, to you, I mean, I know the argument they're not elected people, but mm. I look at our elected officials, I look at Boris Johnson... Keir Starmer squabbling over who may have broken more lockdown rules, who may have betrayed the, the trust of the people more. And you look at the Queen, who for 70 years has held that trust, has kept our respect. Well, I'm not sure that that's always been the case. There have definitely been times when I've been like, really, she's meeting the leaders of Saudi Arabia? Has she looked at the Amnesty International reports on their human rights record? There are definitely times when I've been like, actually, I'm not totally sure that she's doing the right thing or shaking hands with the right people. But the fact that there are elected officials who are terrible, and I'm in no disagreement with you that there's no shortage of those, um, I don't think that the answer is, well, let's just decide that democracy doesn't work and throw it out. It's very ironic, actually, to have seen Prince Charles today saying this government her majesty's government will uphold democracy around the world and you're like but you're the embodiment of us not having yeah, democracy. but in a way in a way tony Parsons, they they're figureheads above our democratic system but they're not elected but they do pay for themselves and i always make this argument to american friends who say well they must cost a fortune well they do but they also get it back from the huge tourism they attract not least from the united and, states you know, the, well, the, hang queen, on, let's the, the, the queen has, the queen has been there for 14 prime ministers seen them come and seen seen them go and even even prime ministers that won three general elections like Thatcher or Blair, they seem like footnotes in that 70-year reign. And I think the fact that she's... she, I mean, I, I understand what Kate's saying about shaking the hands with um, Saudi Arabians, but the, one of the great things about her is she's got this genius for having the poker face that she hasn't picked and choose the war you know we don't fancy your human rights record she's met the lot she's met all Jimmy of them Savile, she's, uh, she's, yeah the well, lot no, she's, like, I, I, I think most it's... most british people would would prefer a monarch that can meet any head of state in well, any dictator rather than rather really than, rather than pick and choose about you know because then that's where you you get Meghan, Ma Michael and Harry. Oh, oh, well, you know, we can't meet Trump. We won't. And it just seems mm. pathetic. It doesn't seem noble. It doesn't seem virtuous. Oh, to me, it refusing seems, to meet Trump pathetic. seems pretty noble. Well, well like, it does, but see, the moment you start picking and choosing which difficult world leaders you're not going to meet, then I mean, you're so making much a political of the world calculation. Is not free. Well, so you'd have Putin on this show, would you? Yes, absolutely. Oh, you God, it well, would really? be a question. Wow. No you, but, like, but, like, but, like, wouldn't you think, hold on a minute, he's committing no, human No, I think, hold on a minute, I'm going to ask you some tough questions. In fact... But don't you think that, fact, there's a, that there's something more significant we should do than well, ask him a actually, question with a pen? Don't you think we should... Actually, actually, right now, I'm about to interview official spokesman for the Taliban. Mm, Are you saying yes. I shouldn't be doing that? 
Well, I'm not sure that... I mean, sure, if you're going to absolutely nail them, but if you're going to give them a space to expound their views and it? their opinions... Yes, yeah, stand back and oh, I'll right. do it. Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> don't ask me twice. I will do what I always do, which is I will ask the questions I think people want to have answered. Yeah. But I don't see any reason why I wouldn't interview Vladimir Putin or why I wouldn't interview my next guest, which is the official spokesman for the Taliban. Tony, final question. Is this country ready for the Queen passing? Because it's going to be such an enormous I moment. Don't think, I don't think we're ever going to be ready because I think she's an impossible act to follow. And I think that King Charles III and King William IV will never be and could never mean what she means to the people because she goes right, right back to the Second World War. She goes right back to that. I mean, you said last night on this show... Um, you know, there's never been a time when she wasn't on the throne. Mm. I'm ten years older than you, and there's never been a time. You look about she... ten years younger, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> That's his boxing training. We've got Lennox Lewis on there, and that, it, he'll be keen on your training regime because you you never get any older. Thank you for coming on. I appreciate okay. it. Thank you very much, Tony. Great to see you again. You'll enjoy this next segment, uh, Tony. It's a little uh, moment of dog dog love, which I know you'll love. Uh, talk about heart stopping. This is a moment a woman's beloved pet dog suddenly jumped or maybe fell out of a window and it was captured by a doorbell camera so we can see it. Rachel Green from Kent in the south of England was on her doorstep talking to a tradesman when she suddenly noticed an upstairs window opening. She only saw it because the sunlight's reflection against the wall caught her eye. The next thing she knew, her beloved dog was hurtling towards potential death. See what happened. He's got his own stuff to do. He's really going to be right. <gasps> Oh, my God! Get back! Clarence! Oh, my God! Tony and I both Arsenal fans. I mean, I like Aaron Rams, I'll, I'll keep him, but we could do with Aaron Goal <laughs> against Tottenham on Thursday. Uh, and from a dog that's lucky to be alive to one that's actually saving lives, President Zelensky is awarded a mind-sniffing dog called Patron, a medal for services to Ukraine. The dog has helped find more than 200 devices during the war, has also become something of a national hero and a symbol of canine Ukrainian resistance. Well done, Patron. We're all very proud of you. Well, on says the next, I'll talk live to Taliban spokesman Suhail Shaheen. You don't want to miss that. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wegovy and Zepbound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. 
J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. It's been nearly eight months since the Taliban regained control of Afghanistan or were basically handed it back by President Biden. In that time, women's rights have been dragged back to the dark ages. Afghan girls have been banned from full education. Women unable to earn a living. And now for the first time in decades, all women are forced to wear the Islamic face veil, the full burqa. Yet the Taliban still insists this is a measure to ensure dignity and safety for their sisters. Well, joining me now for the first time since these restrictions are coming to force is Taliban official spokesman Suhail Shaheen. Mr. Shaheen, thank you for joining me. Thank you. You made a promise. Uh, you rang in to the BBC on August the 15th, 2021, and you said this. I want to remind you of what you said. They should not be scared. Their honour, their properties, their right to education, work, as a, uh, we have commitment for that. Uh, so they should not have uh, worries. Uh, their work and uh, access to education will be, I think, more in a better position than they were in the past. So that was you talking about women in Afghanistan and schoolgirls, and you assured us that they would be in a better position than they were in the past. But in fact, they've now gone back to the position they were in when the Taliban was in charge before, which is a position of being oppressed why is that? And why did you lie about improving the lot of women in Afghanistan? You, your, first of all, your judgment is based on distorted reports of media. Right now, 123,000 female students and teachers and government universities and private universities they are either working or receiving education. Do you know about that? You don't know. I do know. I do know that. I do know. Have you said? You asked me if I know just, the answer. Let me, a, let me respond to you. Just a moment, I complete. Just a moment, I complete. Okay. Have you raised, mentioned that in your program about four million? female students in primary schools, they are going to school yes, I, right I, now if you in heard Afghanistan. It, all right, Mr. Yes, Jane, let me jump in. Have, let yes, me respond to yes, you. Yes, let me respond to you, please. Don't just keep yes, talking. Right? Yes, it is true that some yes. primary school girls are, are still going to school. It's after they get to teenage years. It's, it's after they get to teenage years, you have stopped them going to school. You don't want girls in Afghanistan to go through full-time no, education. That's, that's not improving the welfare and lifestyle of women in Afghanistan, it's suppressing them. Why don't you let no. secondary school-age girls go back to school? Uh, the secondary-age school, primary school, there are 4 million girls are going to school. Now, the issue of secondary uh, schools, education for girls, they are un under consideration. We have never said they are banned. When you say they're of under consideration, what do you mean? They're not currently at school. Let them go back to school. Just say you can all go back to school. That, that, that is why 
we are uh, talking to work out a mechanism and we, I hope What's it there will to be talk soon about, Mr. to be able with respect, to, to, there's to, nothing to, to talk about. The, uh, a, girl, a, girl, a, a girl should be entitled to go to school in Afghanistan the same way a boy goes to. You yourself said in August last year that they had nothing to worry about, nothing to be scared about. So if you've got nothing to worry about, let them go back to school. Give them the education that they were having. Give them the education that they deserve. Just do it. Stop yes. telling them you're yes. under consideration. Uh, uh, what I, right I said, have you got to yeah, yes. consider their right to education? Yeah. I said the girls have the right to have access to education as boys. I am saying right now. That's why the, the mechanism, mechanism being worked out to provide a conducive environment because it's an Islamic society. There is no question about their right to, to go to school. Only well, they will no work question. out... Again, let me the, jump in. The, 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 let the me uniform, respond to that. The if uniform, I may, if I may respond to you. And the female teachers for If that. there is no problem about their right to an education, let them go back to school. Let me turn, if I may to the issue of the now compulsory instruction for all women in Afghanistan to wear a full burqa if they go outside. In fact, there's an encouragement they don't leave their home, but if they do leave their home, they can only show their eyes. And if they get caught showing any more than their eyes, then the male guardians who've been appointed to basically enforce this face going to prison. This is unbelievably oppressive way to treat women in Afghanistan after two decades of experiencing a much freer society. Why are you doing this when, again, by your own words, you promised they had nothing to worry about? Uh, the Afghan women, for centuries, they have been observing uh, hijab. And they are uh, wearing hijab voluntarily. So there is no additional uh, burden on them. And there, there is the statement doesn't say burqa is imposed or the only type of uh, hijab. It says there are different types of hijab which are acceptable. All right, so that's an important... Burqa. OK. If, if what you're, be, well, hang on. If what you're, saying, whale, is, if what you're a, saying is true... A, a cloth of, so a just to be clear, cloth. just to be clear... Every woman in Afghanistan right now can go out and does not have to wear the full burqa and she will get no bad treatment from Taliban. Is that correct? They're all free not to wear the burqa. Yes. Is that your official yeah, position? Yeah, just... Yeah, yeah. If they observe uh, hijab, it may be a wheel, it may be a piece of cloth, it may be a burqa, but it, the burqa is not the only type of hijab. It is clearly said. Any type of a piece of cloth, it, uh, her, she covers herself, her body. That is a hijab. So it is not uh, the burqa, as you said. It but is the, not, decree, uh, the decree that came down from the vice and virtue ministry was that they were not allowed to, to reveal more than their eyes. So whichever way you try and spin this, that is a draconian measure which is designed to suppress women more than they've been used to in the last two decades. You're taking them back to what life was like under the Taliban before. And I'm simply putting it to you that when you took over the country again last August, you made a lot of pronouncements, the Taliban, that you were going to be a different kind of Taliban, a more inclusive Taliban, and that women had nothing... Again, 
Back to your words, nothing to be scared about. Their honour, their properties, their right to education, work and so on. The, the kids after 12, 13 can't go to school. All women have to wear a covering apart from their eyes. You know, they're not getting most jobs now apart from women-specific uh, jobs which can't be filled by men. They have men now, relatives and employers who are exercising a, a control over them which can be punishable if it's broken by imprisonment. This is incredibly draconian. I can't think of anywhere else in the world that is doing this to women. And I just ask you again, what part of any of this shows that you have changed the Taliban, that you're more inclusive? Because I'm not seeing any evidence that you're doing anything other than taking women right back to where they were 25 years ago. What you are seeing, uh, I've gotten from uh, uh, the media reports, which are not correct. Their property are safe, secure. There's no problem with that. About uh, the, the, the wheel, it is not uh, only in Afghanistan, all over the Islamic world. You may have it uh, uh, in the uh, UK, the Muslim women uh, wearing also in the uh, UK. Uh, about the only opening the eyes, you many are using the mask. There is no problem. It is the same as a mask, you know. Yeah, one of the problems. The, uh, one eyes of the, are open. So, so, so. If, why, if I may the, say the, so, you're the, talking. The you're mask talking, is, you're the talking, mask is not yeah. draconian, but uh, the the bill is draconian. Yeah, well, be, I mean, look, the Taliban are going to be the Taliban will be judged by their actions, and the reports from reporters in Afghanistan are completely contrary to the picture that you're trying to paint. They are talking about women who are now protesting in the streets because they're being ordered to completely cover themselves apart from their eyes. They're being told that male relatives and employers are now enforcing this on behalf of the Taliban. So either they're all making it up and they've all gone mad, or the Taliban through people like yourself as a spokesman, are saying one thing in public and yeah. a very different thing is happening on the streets. I want to talk to you also about the economy in Afghanistan, which is a complete disaster. You now have millions and millions of people living in abject poverty. In what way is the Taliban trying to improve the lives of its people? Because it seems from where I'm looking that ever since the United States evacuated uh, Afghanistan, things have got immeasurably worse for the people. Why is that? Why, given a second chance at running the country, have you so far proven to be such abject failures? Uh, first of all, I would like to say 99% uh, of the Afghan women, they are uh, observing hijab voluntarily. So uh, they consider it uh, uh, a dignity, a safeguard for uh, their modesty. modesty. Secondly, the poverty situation, uh, the lack of uh, job opportunity, opportunity is because of the sanctions imposed by international community uh, following our taking the capital Kabul. So they are punishing the people of Afghanistan, not the government, by imposing the sanction. You can ask them why they have done this why they are doing this to the people of Afghanistan. So your position is that the Taliban has no responsibility for the economic collapse of the country and it's all everybody uh, else's we have, fault? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We have responsibility. Mm. What we have from our internal revenue, we are doing that 
uh, in this, we are spending that in the service of our people. Uh, we are uh, starting uh, development projects. We are paying the salaries of uh, the government employees who are about 500,000 from the previous government. Uh, they are still working in the government. We are doing that. But uh, we have, do not have okay. uh, financially so strong to store all the uh, development projects. Some of the projects which were funded by um, some countries, they have been uh, right. completed Listen, I, I like think... 90, 90, 90%, 95%, but they have left. Mr. Shane, the truth is, Afghanistan yes. is in a terrible state right now. Millions of people are living in horrific poverty. Women are feeling increasingly oppressed by the Taliban regime. And my message to you simply... You my message to you simply is if we take you at face value, then we should expect that tomorrow secondary-aged kids can go back to school and get a proper education. And if, as you say, there is no order for women to wear the full covering and they can go out without covering everything apart from their eyes. Let's see that happen, and let's make sure that women that do express that right and that freedom do not then get punished. We've got to leave it there, Mr Shaheen. Thank you very much indeed for joining yes, me. Yes, I, 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 I'm saying right now that uh, the women and boys, they have right to have access to education. That's uh, only by observing hijab. Yeah, you, you don't have and any so right to education no if has, there's no school no you can go to. Our government has has not said that, that denied their right, right. to education. Listen, we've, we've talked uh, about... Under, under I understand. Under we've talked about this. Just for the record, you have two daughters. Do they go to school? Yeah, of course, yeah, yes. Yeah, of course. In will, with, with Of course will. they do, because you're in Dalar and they can they go to school, are, right? They, 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 are, they are observing hijab. They are observing hijab. And yeah. so... Uh, well, that means we have not denied. So what we they are behave doing, we have not so, denied to our people. So if they but do they, exactly, they should, if your daughters they, do exactly they, they what you tell them, they're allowed to get. Okay, so your daughters get an education they, because they are, they are, wait they, a minute, your, your daughters, your daughters yes. get an education because they do what you tell them. All right, I'm glad we clarified that. Uh, Sahil Shaheen, thank you very much indeed for joining me. Well, joining me now thank is uh, Fauzia Kufi. She was one of the first female politicians in Afghanistan until she fled the country last year when the Taliban took over. You were shaking your head in derision, a lot of the stuff that he was saying there. Clearly, a lot of that is propaganda. We know from the reporting on the ground what is going on in relation to education of young girls, in relation to women and what they have to wear. What is your response to that interview? Well, Piers, I only hope that um, there was a debate that he could listen to. Uh, and my message to him would have been, uh, Mr. Shaheen, you and I negotiated for the past three years. We started from Moscow in February um, 2019. I remember, as the first woman to negotiate with you, it was extremely risky because I lost a lot of support in my constituents by talking to you. But we did it for the sake of the country, because we wanted to come to a peace deal. Mm -hmm. Remember there, one of your uh, uh, negotiators... You know, look, I, I know what you're doing here, but he's gone. Right, I just want to... I mean, so he can't right. hear you. So my, my, my point really is, how much of what he's saying is just propaganda and nonsense from what you understand on the ground? I want to remind them, because I'm sure they will, they mm -hmm. will listen to this, that in that meeting, one of their negotiators said that, from their perspective, Women could go to school, could go to university, mm. could work in business, in politics, could become minister, minister of foreign affairs, up to prime minister. But none of that's happening. I'm quoting up to prime minister. Mm. 
it was a room full of men. Everybody looked at me and said, well, Ms. Kofi, this is a big news. But in reality, when they took over power on the 15th of August, the first thing they did, in contradiction with Islamic principles and what's happening in the rest of Muslim world, they stopped girls from going to school. Only girls up to grade 12 go to school. Mm. This is not happening in anywhere in the world. Right. Anywhere. They stop women from going to work. And you know what? These women actually were the breadwinners of their family. They lost their husbands in the war. And they were the supporters of their family. They were feeding their children with the money that they were receiving through their salary. They cannot do it anymore because they don't have a job to do it. Mm. Now, the last thing they did, while the country is at the age of starvation, economic crisis, and people expect them as people now in power to deliver, the last thing they did was another decree asking women of Afghanistan to wear their favorite hijab, which is burqa. Now, let's remember that women of Afghanistan have always remained Muslim, and their hijab, the same way that I do, is acceptable in Afghanistan by men, is respected, and this is part of our identity. Mm. We don't need Taliban to come and tell us that unless you don't wear veil, which is burqa, mm. and it's even not Islamic, it's traditional. I think that's something Your that, male member of yeah. the family will be punished. So can you imagine in a country mm. which already the rule of law is, does not exist, the men are influencing and committing violence? Well, that's the, great, that's the great irony, is that the men are now being told to enforce these rules by the Taliban, and that in itself is just utter misogyny. Great to talk to you. Thank you very much for coming in and just putting a woman's perspective from Afghanistan there. I think we all know what is happening on the ground and it's completely reprehensible. The Taliban are taking these women back to a terrible time in Afghanistan's life and they've got to stop it. And the world needs to be shining a light on this. Exactly. Thank you very much for coming Thank in. Thank you. On Sense of Next, the former heavyweight champion of the world, Lennox Lewis, will be here live. He's fed up with the world going all soft and he's here to tell me how we should all toughen up. Look at him, Mr. Macho. I'll ask him how he felt being knocked out by me, a celebrity apprentice. I'll take the smile of his face. A boxing legend, Lennox Lewis, won Olympic gold before a masterclass in professional ranks and became Britain's only undisputed heavyweight champion of the world. One of the best to ever don a pair of gloves, but he's not undefeated in the boardroom. Dennis couldn't win without me as often as he does. Anyone near as much. He knows that. I think he'd agree with that. I could probably Do you win agree with that, Lennox? Yes, I do. I wouldn't have answered it that way, Lennox. I would have said, absolutely, who the hell do you think you are? I'd never admit that. He's a good asset to the team. I'm the main asset. Lennox, you're fantastic, but you're fired. A terrible moment watching the world heavyweight champion getting knocked out by me. Uh, <laughs> Lennox, great to see you, mate. Uh, do, do the bruises great still... Great to see you. Do you still feel those bruises of the big old Morgan KO? No, I think... Uh, I think... I don't know what happened. I think he paid him some money. <laughs> <laughs> Can you believe he went on to be president of the United States and is now, like, the most famous divisive guy on the planet? Yeah, he's uh, incredible. In fact, just before we came on air tonight, Lennox, they, uh, Elon Musk who's just bought Twitter, said this. It was not correct to ban Donald Trump. I think that was, that was a mistake. Power bans just fundamentally undermine trust in Twitter as a, a, a town square uh, where um, everyone can uh, voice their opinion. So that was the breaking news, Alex, that uh, Elon Musk, who's now got Twitter, of course, he's, he's bought it, he wants Trump back on Twitter. Do you think that's a good thing? Well, you know, um, 
I think he thinks it's a good thing. So <laughs> you know, he's a he's a pretty he's a pretty smart man. <laughs> Let's turn to why I wanted you on the show, Alex. I I've had a sneaking feeling that society's gone all weak in the last couple of decades. That this kind of new mentality of celebrating victimhood, people quitting left, right, and centre, and being called heroes in the sporting arena, in real life. None of it feels right to me. Do, do you get that sense as well? And what do you think about it? You know, there's definitely a, uh, a turn, a switch, uh, a difference of opinion. And, you know, people want to do it different ways. And, uh, you know, they're getting an opportunity to, to. But do you think that society should toughen up? Do you think that we need to go back to perhaps what it was like when you were young? when, you, you know, you weren't allowed to be self-pitying, you had to crack on. Yeah, I, I believe that, you know. Right now, people, um, even when it comes to fighting, look at when it comes to fighting, people run for weapons. They should fist fight, like, fight, do it like the old times. And then, as far as the boxing training nowadays, a lot of people stay at home. Go to camp, you know, isolate yourself, focus, dedicate. What do you make of Tyson Fury? I would love to have seen you guys fight, both at your peak. Who would you think would have won? Oh, I refuse to answer easy questions. <laughs> <laughs> well, mate, you are talking to the only bloke who's knocked you out, apart from two other guys that you went and beat. So I'm undefeated against you. Seriously, would you, do you think you'd have beaten Tyson, Tyson Fury? Listen, Tyson Fury is a great champion. You know, he moves well, he's elusive. And he punches hard, got a great jab, great uppercut now. And uh, all he has to do is clean up the division like I did and then beat the next generation. Well, I think you're slightly ducking the question, Lewis. Come on. If it was you two <laughs> in the ring, who's going to win? At your best, at your you, peak. You, you, can't put, you can't put two cronk fighters against each other. It's, you know, that's, not, that's, that's naughty. <laughs> I also wanted to ask you, because you knocked out the other Tyson, Mike Tyson... And he yes. just today got announced will not face any charges after giving a, a passenger on a plane a slap for annoying him. What did you make of that? Do you get that kind of hassle? Uh, no, you know, I think he dealt with it wrong. Obviously, when you poke the beer, uh, you know, he's going he's gonna to react. I would have just turned around and slapped him and said... Well, that's you know. what he did, wasn't it? <laughs> That's exactly huh? what he did. You told me, when we did The no. Apprentice together, you told me that at the peak of your world heavyweight champion powers, you'd go into nightclubs and the biggest guy would come up to you and try it on. And I said to you, well, what would happen? And you went, dude, what do you think happened? I was the world heavyweight champion of the world. <laughs> yeah, plus, you know, mentally, mentally, I, I, I play the whole thing in my head with, of course, me winning. Of course, of course. And one thing I would say, we play, 40, <laughs> we play 40 games of chess during The Apprentice filming, and you beat me 39 yes. times out of 40. I still remember the one I won, and but you were very good at chess. Yeah, people won't, won't believe that you actually counted every time we played. I did, I did. And I don't forget yes. the fact that every time you were about to checkmate me, you stood up and walked around the board rubbing your hands in glee. You were a very annoying person to play chess with. Thank you. That's a compliment. <laughs> Levix, it's always great to catch up with you, mate. Thanks for coming on the show. Thank you. Stay uncensored. I love you the way you are. And I'm sorry again for uh, knocking you out, but sometimes you just meet a superior guy in life. <laughs> it's just the way it is. OK. Good to talk to you. Don't worry, I'll get you next time. Bless. <laughs> All the best, champ.
Well, it's the most tiresome and tedious game on the internet. And just when you thought it couldn't get any more annoying, Wordle has gone woke. Yes, it's boring, banal and boastful, and now it's also censored. The Wordle has gone nuts. The New York Times has admitted it altered its Wordle solution for being too politically charged. They removed the word fetus to avoid triggering anybody over the Roe versus Wade abortion debate. I've got my own Wordle for that. Crazy. Yeah, I think it's crazy to think that a daft puzzle game on the internet published by a newspaper is triggering. And this policing of language and words is becoming increasingly absurd. It turns out the New York Times has also removed words like slave and wench and lynch. But why would you remove them? They're words that actually exist. Yes, they have meaning, but they weren't being used in any celebratory sense, just as words. The New York Times explained it has taken some of these words out because they're insensitive or obscure and that wordles should be distinct from the news agenda. Really? Nothing obscure about any of those words. And nor should they be insensitive to people. Where do you take it? Do you ban words from Scrabble as well? If you start taking any word in normal common usage that's potentially offensive to somebody somewhere, you'll end up with no language at all. And that way, madness lies. That's it for tonight. Wherever you are, keep it uncensored. Good night. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.